I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. He's in control. I know it's hard to think that. But even when Jesus was here walking the earth, he was dealing with political propaganda. He was dealing with garbage that we're dealing with right now. Hallelujah. And it didn't seem to bother him a bit. Hallelujah. So sometimes we got to come in here and act like it doesn't bother us either. Just let Jesus be. Let him be God and we'll be who we are. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God. I give honor to, to Brother and Sister Hill. Hope they have a good, a good time. Good weekend. Never a bad time to be with Ethan. What a wonderful kid. Hallelujah. <laughs> right, Jack? He's a good kid. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for being a good church. Hallelujah. There's not these everywhere you go. A lot of buildings full of people that are all about themselves. That think that they've got it all figured out. pastor was talking last last week. I know you've been standing a long time. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says to give honor where, where you should give it. That's a good scripture. Amen. <laughs> I do give honor to my wife and my kids. Brother Sims, he rags me a lot, which is okay. He's he's good at it. Sometimes you need you need somebody to rag you. Keeps you keeps you humble, keeps you in place. Amen. <laughs> I think it was Brother Sims. He was like, Does it does it bother you that your son's that much better looking than you? <laughs> to a lesser man that would bother them. But I told him, like, Corbin looks how I prayed he would look. Hallelujah. Why would I want him to look anything like me? Hallelujah. I prayed that he would be taller, better looking, better hair. You're welcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But no, I, I'm very blessed. Um, I'm glad to have both of my kids in my life. Um, too, too often times they, they find their own way. And it's far away from mom and dad. I'm very, very thankful for both of them. They're, uh, uh, and you don't have to like them. That's the great thing. You don't even have to like either one of them. They're mine. I like them. I like them. I like them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the Lord has been good to all of us. Amen. In spite of, in spite of everything, Jesus is, is Jesus. Hallelujah. But last, last Sunday morning, pastor was just was talking on Luke seven. And this is just a Luke seven is an incredible chapter. It covers it covers so much. And we're just going to we're going to run through some of this. But he was talking about John the Baptist being in prison. He sent he sent men to Jesus to ask if, if he's the one that we're looking for. Do we need to go? Do we need to go find another? And um, this isn't going to make much sense until we get to the end. But I promise if you just just bear with me, I'm not even going to keep you that long. Is that fair? Hallelujah. I know you've heard that from other people before and you got 
<laughs> you got burned bad. <clears throat> no, it's good. It's good to see you, buddy. I'm glad that you're here. I love you. Hallelujah. But he's talking about it. But there's there's so much stuff that happens before before that part. And then after after that part, um, if you got Luke seven. This, there's a lot of reading. That's why I just let you just just sit down and enjoy. Enjoy it. Luke seven. This is a it's a really long chapter, but there's so much stuff that's happening, happening through this whole this whole chapter. Now, when he had, hand, had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, Jesus, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. So everybody knows the story of the centurion and, and his, his someone that was dear, a friend, a loved one that was that was sick. All right, keep going. This, this is one of many of the stories. And when he had heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy of whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation. He had built us a synagogue. He said, Jesus, listen, we can justify why we want you to come to the centurion's house, because he's a good man. He's done great things where you're currently at. He's a good man. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. <laughs> Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, my servant shall be healed. He understood. Keep going. They can, they can read it as I'm talking. Centurions have a place of authority. They have people that are over them. So that when those guys say, hey, go do this, the centurions go and do that. But then they also have people underneath them. So when they tell those guys or girls to go do what he wants them to do, they go do it. So the centurion has an incredible ability to understand authority. So when, when they go, they go. When they come, they come. When I say do it, they do it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not not in Israel. In other words, there's. There's something special about understanding authority with faith to know that there's something there's more than just I, I believe Jesus will do this or I believe Jesus will do that. There's a there's a level of spiritual authority that Jesus has that you've got to tap into. And this centurion happened to be able to do this. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant was whole that he had been sick. All right. That's one of the stories. Luke 7. <laughs> Sister Hammond, it's good to see you. Hallelujah. Centurion. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. And now when they came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. So this is the second story that all of you know, the widow's son, right? No husband, the only son. It's a pretty big, devastating loss here. Amen. Her only family gone. And Jesus understood that. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. How do you tell? <laughs> how do you tell a mom who just lost her only son not to, not to weep? The only way you do that is if you follow it up with what Jesus did. And he came and touched the buyer and said, he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still and said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up, and he began to speak and, and delivered him unto his mother. 
And there came fear on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us and that God had visited his people. So they still don't know who Jesus is. It's okay. We didn't know either. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And John, calling upon two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? This is where Pastor was last week. What was weird, Brother Hill, was I was, I was, doing, I was reading my stuff, and he was reading his stuff, and I was like, man, that, it's kind of neat that we're looking at the same thing. I had no idea it was going to be the next Sunday you're going to have to hear the same, the same thing. But all this stuff is happening, and John the Baptist is in, is in prison. There's a reason I'm not going to give you a title. There's no point in giving a title. I just I just want to talk to some of your hearts for just a few moments. And some things aren't what they seem to be. Some things just aren't what they seem to be. John the Baptist, the, Jesus goes on and talks about how great John the Baptist is. He's the greatest prophet of any, 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 any man born of a woman. But yet, Jesus left him in prison. He left him there. He just left him there. And when the men were coming to him, they... They said, John the Baptist sent us unto thee, saying, Are thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Keep going. There's a, there's a ton of scriptures. Just, just bear with me. And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits, and many, many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering unto them, Go your way and tell John what these ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, the dead raised, and the poor. To the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he Whosoever shall not be offended in me. And he just he just keeps going and keeps going and it keeps going. There, there's more. Uh, let's. So you got the centurion, you got the, the, the widow's son, you got the disciples of John coming unto him and it gets better. You guys remember the alabaster box, Mary in the alabaster box. She's the next one. So they, they cover that. Keep keep going. Skip that one. We know that one. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to skip down to, to the alabaster box. Because this is all still still seven. Okay, so he keeps going on all of 20 and 30. He's talking about how great John is. And then while he's talking about how great he is, one of the Pharisees who was not baptized of John's baptism invited Jesus over. Hallelujah, Jesus. 36. Skip to 36 for me. <laughs> And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went with the he went with, went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Okay, just bear with me. This is going to get really good. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with her hair, hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now it's going to start getting really, really good, because Jesus has an ability to read your thoughts. Keep going. And Jesus answering, hold on, go back to 39. Make sure I didn't read this wrong. I did go to Home Valley. Now the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it. He spake within himself. So that means he didn't say it out loud. Right? 
He's, he's talking to himself. Okay, 40. And Jesus answering unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. Okay, because when, when someone answers, when you're talking to yourself, you want to know what else he's got to say. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? This is good. This is really good. It seems very simple and very easy. One owed him, let's say, $500 and the other owed him $50. Jesus, the, the man forgives both, both debts, both of them. So Jesus asked the questions, which one of those two men should love the guy that forgave them the most? Simon answered, said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, thou hast righteously judged. <laughs> And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Hold on. He's not done. Thou gavest me no kiss. No, I I was talking. (laughs) That's that's how you keep everybody paying attention. Like, oh, who's who's in charge? Who's. Are you paying attention? That gave us me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has ceased not to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with oil. Wherefore I say to thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loveth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. So this, that was all in one chapter, Brother Browning. One chapter. He covered, Luke covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time. But this is what I, this is, this was, this is the whole point. You've got the centurion's faith, the widow's son, the disciples of John come unto him. And then the alabaster box before you ever get out of that, that one, that one chapter. But out of that one chapter, I would have pointed out the same thing that pastor pointed out last week. Of all of that chapter, everything made sense to me, Brother Wilson, except for John's imprisonment. It just doesn't make any sense to me. This guy is the forerunner of you. And now you're just going to let him rot in prison because Jesus knew when he went to prison that he wasn't getting out. Jesus knew that not very much longer after that very moment that John was going to be beheaded. And I work with people. And I deal with people that have all these kind of opinions and and feelings towards us and a lot of other religions. And all of them have the same, the same, the same way out almost. Because if you start breaking this down and you accept it and you understand it, Brother Davis, as we do, that puts you in a different category. I was talking to Corbin the other night. He was talking, he's got a, a guy that he's working with and he's, he has the same opinions that some of the guys that I work with and some of the women and guys that you work with. And all of them seem to always have an excuse, Brother Dave. It's not about the truth. And some of them even know Luke 7. It doesn't bother them a bit. Their excuses are all the same. They're just written differently. And that's, that's this. And I, I really, I just want to drive this point home. Because I'm betting, I'm betting, Brother Bob, he's, he's been through, you've been through some stuff that I, I couldn't imagine. You've been down a road that I, I've, 
I couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend, but yet we sit here together worshiping Jesus Christ. The excuses are always the same. And there was one of them that just gets on my nerves, Brother Sims. So we're just going to address it. Just humor me for a moment. One of the guys I work with, Sister Candy, he's... Man, I try to be careful. He was hurt when he was a little kid by a family member. And his excuse to me is that I, I read the Bible. Cover to cover, I couldn't find where Jesus was ever hurt when he was a kid. And there's a lot of other ones that have things and issues that come up. And this is heavy, I know. And Brother Wilson, there are, I've looked through here, I couldn't find where Jesus was ever, was ever hurt as a child. I don't know what happened to Joseph. But it seemed like he was around just his mom for most of his life. But there's a lot of you in here that have went through some stuff and some things. The Christ Jesus never went through, it would seem. Can't find it in Scripture, Sister Laurie, where he ever, he ever had to deal with some of the things that I've had to deal with in my life. But yet I'll stand there in all my audacity and tell you that you need to go to church. And you want me to serve somebody who doesn't know how I feel. So I want to ask you this question. And it's not a question of, of great wisdom. That's, that's Brother Davis's job. How much ground did Jesus have to cover from, from the holiest of holies to being born of a virgin woman? How much space is there? And I say that to say this, if, if he can do, do that, I have all faith in my, in my heart that, that he knows how I feel. Don't get caught up in this lie that, that our flesh tells us and the enemy tells us that Jesus doesn't know how you feel because you can't find it in Scripture that he ever went through what you've went through. That's a lie from hell. Jesus has covered more ground than you'll ever cover. He's been to depths that you'll never go through. He's been in despair that you've never felt. He hung on a cross that wasn't his. Took on all the sins of all of us at one time. I think that's more than what you've went through. And how dare any of us stand before Jesus and say, well, I would have served you, but you don't know how I feel. Come on. The Bible says that God is love. With love comes empathy. The ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And here's the other side of it. As you're trying to explain this to somebody, well, if Jesus was there when I was hurt, why didn't he do anything about it? Good question. Because Jesus can't affect human will. If he could have, do you think he'd have had Moses deliver his own children out of his? Come on, we can go through the whole Bible. So many things had to happen the way they did because Jesus cannot affect your will. Right. 
So don't come to me and ask, ask me why Jesus didn't do this or why he did do that. Look, there's, all the answers are in here. Well, how could God allow this to happen? What kind of God would, would put that on somebody? What kind of God would... I'm more tore up about John the Baptist. All of us have questions. I'm not making fun, Sister Marker. This isn't a joke to me. I'm not, I'm not downgrading what you've been through. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying sometimes you've got to take a hard look of your relationship between you and Jesus before you dare ask the question, why God? He owes you no explanations. You're lucky you're here this morning. Again, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to let you understand. There's some things that we put on God that's not his fault. There's some things that we put on our pastor. We put on ministry. You put on other people when it could. All of this could be so much simpler and easier as if you would just take a hard look in the mirror and realize Jesus isn't the problem. The pastor's not the problem. Politics aren't the problem. Some of the guys I work with share similar beliefs that I, I, I feel politically. And they're worried sick that someone else might get elected. Worried sick. Like, what are you worried about? Because here's the, whoever gets elected is God's will. And what if whoever's elected issues in and, and ushers in some of the other stuff that we read in Matthew 24? That's going to come to pass anyway. There's nothing that's happening in this world that Jesus hasn't already set in the motion and wasn't already going to come to pass. So the question isn't it? It's not why God. Because I would ask that question in Luke 7, so sorry. Of all those things, I'm fine with him healing the, the, the widow's daughter. But why is John in prison? He's a good dude. He's done everything that you've asked him to do. And he's in there and you know what's going to happen next. And the point is, is that if Jesus was OK with that ending, then I've got to be OK with that ending. In other words, there's going to be some bad things that are going to happen to you and your family and loved ones that in your heart, you have to come to that revelation that that was God's will. And he owes me no explanation. Jesus has never been through a pandemic. He doesn't know how we feel. He didn't have to wear a mask to go into Menards. We do. Okay, I made light of that part, not the other stuff. I looked through all the, all the Gospels. I couldn't find anything where Jesus ever had to go through a pandemic. He didn't have his governor breathing down his neck every decision that he makes. You do. And yet somehow it can't affect your vision and your view of Jesus. And that's the problem is that as John went through what John was going through, as any of us do. Any of us. We start to view things differently. Depending on the amount of pain or depending on the amount of, of, of pressure that's on you. If you look up where John was. He was in Herod's. Herod's I can't even pronounce what that prison was called, Brother Wilson. But his great-grandfather, Herod the Great, had built this. They called it a fortress. The only way he was getting out is if Jesus himself went and got him out. 
some places that you're in, Jesus wants you there. And he wants you to realize that you ain't getting out without him. And John had to realize that even at the end, even at the end, people are going to manipulate and change and twist stories and turn things. Herod's niece manipulated him into killing John the Baptist. And John had to be okay with it. There are going to be situations in your life that aren't fair. You're going to suffer loss that is not fair. It's not fair. But none of us have the right to blame Jesus for anything. Until you're hanging on the cross and all the sins of the world are are hanging on you, which you can't do anyway because he already did it. Then you and him can have a conversation. Listen, I promise you, if you get through all of this, if we get through all of this and once you get to heaven, I feel that all of us get get a sit down with Jesus. All of us, Israel, every one of us that make it, there's going to be a bunch of, there's been a bunch of people come through this world since Adam and Eve. I really, true, I, even if it takes all eternity, we'll, we'll have time. You'll get to sit down and ask the questions. But until then, Judah, no. Now, I know that's hard to, to explain that to someone who doesn't know and full of the Holy Ghost like you guys. The one thing that cannot happen here is that we come in here and wonder, why does it feel like that in here? Because we know why we've allowed things that are out there to come in here. The the problem is, is that that. (sighs) I don't even have anybody telling me no. Usually pastors cough and are easy. But it just gets to that point to where where we just have to we have to act like adults. And that's the toughest decision for young people. It's really. And the problem is that some of us that aren't young people act like we're young people. And that's fun and games when we're playing and having a good time. It's not when we're trying to worship and magnify Jesus. Aiden's going through a lot right now. It's none of my business or any of our businesses. But one thing that he's told me is, is that McCormick's Creek is my home church, regardless of where anybody else goes. And he's here this morning. Why? Because he had to make an adult decision as a young man. And I, I credit you for that. That's not easy. It's not easy. One thing I've learned from Brother Deem is that you are going to have to make decisions that you don't want to make. And you're going to have to live with those decisions. And I would much rather stand here and make decisions with the Holy Ghost than to back off because Jesus doesn't know how I feel. And then make a decision that I'm going to regret for the rest of my life. Because there are people that have went through some stuff. In here. Bob's one of them. And guess what? This morning, we're here as equals. I've never been through some of the stuff. I've never drank. I've never smoked. I don't, I've never done drugs. I don't know how that, I don't know any of that road. I've never, <clears throat> the only beating I've gotten is from my old man. I've, I, I just don't like getting beat up. So I, so I stopped picking on Lance. 
just don't like it. I don't like it. But regardless of your road, we all stand here equal in the sight of God. Regardless of where you've been or what you've been through. And that was something that John had to learn was even though he, he wanted, well, that was the problem. He wanted to be there, Papa. He wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted to be out there and be a part of what the disciples were a part of. And it just wasn't God's will. And that is, that is so hard to accept is that to know, to know that you want to do this or you want to do that. I would, I would love to be like Court Chavis. He can do, he can do it all, brother, since he can preach, he can teach. He can sing, he can play, he can just do it all. Luke St. Clair, man, they can do it all. They can do it all. And I have to accept that I'm not them. I'd love to be able to preach like Jeff Arnold. I feel like I have, I have like the same frame, framework he's got, but I, I'll never better do it like he can. And I have to accept that, Brother Davis. And you know what? I, I thought about it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. The more that I think about trying to trying to be going into, into different meetings with, with pastor, man, I don't I I will never be that. I don't I'll, I'll be number three, number four, whatever. I don't ever want that. I don't want that. But he he's some some men and women are just built for what God has for them. And John the Baptist was built to be in a wilderness and drive and force people to Jesus. And then once Jesus got here, your ministry's done. And from my perspective, Sister Anderson, that's devastating. After all John the Baptist did, he ends up in prison, falsely accused. And then the niece of the guy that put him there tricks him into taking his head. And John had to accept that and be okay with it. And you knew he had more to give. He had more to offer, Sister. Now, he could have done so much more for the kingdom. And that's how we look at it. Like, well... There's so much more. We could have done something. It wasn't God's will. We've, we've lost some wonderful people. We've lost some good people. I'm not talking about leaving. I'm talking about going home. That we could have all, we could have written, we could have written novels, God, on why they should have stayed. They, they had so much more to give. They had so much, they could have done this and they could have done that. And at the end of it, we had to sit back and that's not easy. That's not, I, and sometimes we'll just flat out tell you, I don't accept that right now. It's going to take some time. But regardless, regardless of how you feel or where you're at in your life, there's a few things that I know for sure. Jesus is still God. And according to his word, he changes not. And there's nothing new. Solomon said, he said, there's nothing new under the sun. So there's nothing going on right now that Jesus isn't fully capable of handling. And to be honest with you, let me, I'm just going to freak you out because I'm pretty sure everybody in here knows who I'm voting for. Since the 6th, November 6th, go vote. Go vote. If you're able to vote, go vote. The 3rd, I'm sorry. The 3rd, November 3rd. But regardless of who wins... Jesus is still God. Regardless of how we feel, He's still God. No matter who we lose, no matter who we gain, Jesus changes not. Stay same yesterday, today, and forever. Sometimes we do this, every one of us, not just people we work with, not just people out there. Sometimes us in here, Brother Dave, 
we begin to change our view on Jesus based on how we feel and what we're going through. And I'm not saying that you're not human and that's not okay. What I'm saying is that at some point, take a hard look at you. Because here's the thing. One day, you're going to stand before God, just you. No excuses. Nobody to fall back on. Nobody to lean on. Just you and Jesus. No. <laughs> it's scary. Can't blame Brother Davis. Can't blame Brother Davis' teaching. Can't blame Poppy. Can't blame brother, brother, younger Brother Davis. Can't, there's just nobody else to blame. You're going to stand before God, just you, based on your actions. Man, that's hard to get out of. I wonder if Jesus did that on purpose. Brother Brown, where there is no, there is nobody. No, this is between us. No, not mom and dad, not nobody else. And you know John sat in there thinking, man, after all I've done. I mean, let's just be honest. When John was doing what John the Baptist was doing, nobody else was doing anything. He was a voice that was crying in the wilderness when, when everything else was silent. He was doing things that nobody else was doing. Come on, you felt that way. You've done things and you've helped out. And then this is going to happen. You've given and given and you've bled and sweat and cried here. And then this is going to happen to me and my family. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying that what you're going through isn't real and doesn't hurt. What I'm saying is, is that you can't talk to Jesus like that. He deserves better from us. He deserved better from John. Because after John did that, then Jesus had to go and cover up for him. After John sent men to Jesus in front of everybody asking him, are you who we're looking forward to? We need to look for another. Then he had to stop. Hold on. Wait a minute. John's a good guy. John was doing stuff before any of you guys was doing anything. As a matter of fact, John is the greatest prophet of all, the, all that's been born of a woman. So don't get me wrong. Jesus had his back. But because of his circumstances, John's demeanor, his, his, his mind, everything changed. Everything changed. I'm not saying what John was going through was easy. I'm not saying, Brother Sims, what you're going through is easy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you have a relationship with Jesus the way you act like you do, you wouldn't have acted like that. If John knew Jesus the way that I thought he did, there would have been no need to send anybody to Jesus because you know who he is. You know what he's doing. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. I said all that to say this. A lot of people that you run into in life, a lot of people you run into at work, a lot of people we have to deal with, Brother Hill. They'll they'll have all these excuses, Brother Anderson, that will that justifies why they're at. Brother, me and Brother Wilson was talking about that last week. There's that they, they will they'll take a couple scriptures. And they'll justify how they are, which separates. That's what separates us from everybody else, Brother Bob. This is it. It's very simple. It's very, very simple. This is what it is. It's reading this and accepting it. All of it.
Because when you do that, that puts you in a different category. Because now I have no justification for how, why I'm acting the way that I am. And a lot of good people have walked away because they'll just, they'll manipulate a couple of them. They'll turn a couple of them, do whatever's necessary. And because of that, their name ends up in this jar and we end up praying for them. And we're going to keep praying for them. But this morning, I have no excuses. I have no justifications for not giving God all the glory and the honor and the praise. No matter what I've went through or what's happened to me or who I've gained or who I've lost. Whether they don't sing the songs I like. Or I don't want to hear him preach. Where's pastor at? Hey, I asked the same question. But I put myself in a position, I put my kids in a position to where you don't have any excuses. No justifications. Take that off the table, Brother Davis. If I don't make it, it's on me. If I don't make it. And that was what John wanted. He just wanted out of prison. Sometimes your road is not going to be easy. And you're going to look out of your prison cell and see other disciples that you've worked harder than. Walking with Jesus. And you're stuck in this this hole. And yes, you you have every right to get mad, get angry. But what if? What if I just stopped and just realized, you know what? Sometimes that's just God's will. And say you had to like it. Sometimes the hard things in life, that's just God's will. And as much as I would like to learn and understand why, some questions you're just going to have to ask Him on the other side. But if you don't make it, never get to ask him. So this morning, I wonder if we can just all do that. No excuses. Jesus hung between two worlds with every sin of every, every one of us at all, all the time at, at one time. I truly believe he knows how you feel. You might not better find it in Scripture exactly that he, he went through the exact thing that you went through. But He has an ability to love better than we do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are, are beyond our thoughts. There are things that we can't forgive that He forgave before it happened. There's situations in our lives that we still struggle with that God had to let go of before it ever happened. This morning, Jesus knows how you feel. He knows what it's like to go through what you're going through. And once you get there, the rest of it's easy. But this morning, without without pastor here, they might not be playing your favorite song. I 
wonder if each and every one of us can just take a hard look at, at you. Lord, that I can just take a hard look at myself this morning. And realize, realize that, you know what? <laughs> if this is God's will. If this is really where you want me, God, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. There's young people that didn't ask to go through the things that they're going through either. But I wonder if this morning to not blame it on Jesus. Just like Jesus was able to not put all of their sins on themselves. Lord, I don't put it to their <laughs> don't put it on them, Jesus. This morning, I wonder if we can do the same thing, God. I, I don't put it on you. It's so easy to blame. <laughs> so easy to blame Him for everything. It's just always easy to blame. Blame somebody else. But this morning, this morning, Jesus, I don't blame anybody else. I take responsibility. No matter how young or how old, no matter what I'm going through, Jesus, this morning. I'm not going to look for another. I take away every excuse, Jesus. Take away any of that other stuff that I can use that I justify my actions. God, I take all that away. I ask you to move in me this morning in Jesus' name. The Bible says that you'll either fall on the rock and it'll break you or the rock will fall on you and crush you. Either way. I'll do it, Jesus. I'll do it. Lord, that you just begin to move through this place right now in Jesus' name. The altar is open. It's always open. If you'd like to 